Hey, D, I think I know what the New Year is bringing you. Oh, did you send me something? No. But I know you. You're going to sow seeds for flowers, so you'll you'll get flowers in the New Year. I bet you will, too. And you know what else? I bet we'll both sow seeds for vegetables to get delicious food. As you sow, so you will reap. Hmm. Haven't I heard that somewhere before? You have. Galatians 6-7 is where you heard that. Now, shall I sow the seeds of another great podcast episode? Do it. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden an acre and a half out of seven and a half acres out in the country. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. So, Carol, while you're trying to breathe because you have a cold, poor thing, I'm going to tell you what I did in my garden this week. Are you ready? Okay. Do I need to do a drum roll or? Uh, we need applause or something. I got the bulbs planted. Yes, I did. All of them. That is awesome. That is awesome. And I also cleaned out a bit of the kitchen border to do so. I kept stuff watered indoors and in the greenhouse. And by the way, I love my insect shield plants, pants. They do not sponsor this podcast yet, but they, I love the pants. They are lightweight, not hot, read not hot. And they move with me and they also have pockets. Pockets are essential. And these are the stretchy ones. And they fit perfectly. And I'm thinking about going back and buying the, there's a pair that are more like what you buy, the Dickies. Nice. Of pants. Well, we'll see if they're not hot in the summertime. Well, and that's the thing. They may be really hot in the summertime and then I'll have to rethink what I'm doing. Because what I'll have to do is get some shorts and have them treated or something. I don't know. We'll work, we'll work on that when summer comes. But they are not, but this was a pretty warm day and they were not, I didn't even notice I had them on. So very good. How about you? Well, I've been harvesting microgreens, have quite a few of them, and I'm starting to think about buying some seeds because the Menards, which I have and you don't, they have a whole two rows of burpee seeds all discounted. And then until like the 14th, you can get 15% off anything that'll fit in this paper bag. And I could fit a lot of seeds in those paper bags. I bet. Um, but this dang cold. So I haven't gone back in there. I was in there the other day, but so I got to get back in there and get some seeds and, you know, watering house plants, stuff like that. Not much else. Hey, that reminds me. Did you get your all American selection seeds? I did. I a bunch. Two days ago. Oh my gosh. They sent so many and some of them are old favorites. Oh yeah. Like that begonia that we love. And also they sent us that coleus again, which is the slowest growing coleus on the planet, but I'm going to try it again in a different spot. Maybe just a pot. Maybe it wants to live in a pot. Mine lived in that wheelbarrow and they were beautiful. They were. Which What is the name of that one? Coral candy? Sun coral candy. That sounds yeah, something right. like that. We shouldn't really talk about them when we haven't even got the seeds in front of us, but that was exciting to get all of those. Oh, it and was. so many peppers. Yeah. So many peppers. I can't wait to try them. Yes. I can't wait either. So let's play favorites. All right. 
You go first. I'm going to show you mine. I'm going to drink a sip of tea while you do. Wow, that's a big, giant African violet. That's I know. huge. I bought this right before Christmas at Home Depot. I was in there buying those, I can't even think of it now, Hellebores Niger that were in some planter containers. And yeah. they only had one left. Guess how much this cost? I have no idea how much. $3.98. Well, that's, I mean, I think we should actually share this as a video this week because that is huge. It and is. here's my thing with, we're going to talk more about African violets in a minute. I love them. I eventually kill them, but it's not their fault. For $4. I know how, that's yeah, okay. you could have that for just fun. All right. So in my garden, it's my tiny little blue kale plants. They are so cute. They're in my cold frames and they're just little babies, just like this big. But they are so, well, this big is about an inch and a half. But you know what? They're going to start growing because the days are getting longer, Carol. Hurrah. I noticed that. Anyway, I just got out a ruler. This, this is a foot across from one I believe it. leaf to another. And That's I brought beautiful. that in to show you. Compared to the, I Thank have you. two back here that are not near as big. Yeah, they just, yeah. Well, we'll talk about them more in a minute. So you've got the quote, girl. Who can doubt it when there are rainbows and wildflowers, the music of the wind and the silence of the stars? Nora Roberts. So does anybody really remember Nora Roberts except for us? She was a novelist, right? I think she's still alive. And she's a novelist and she's a romance novelist. And I have a little story about her. Go for it. So- Back when I got my degree, which was in professional writing in the journalism department, at that time, it wasn't a college. Now it's a college at OU. I wrote fiction because that's what this was about. It was one of the only programs in the country where people took fiction through the journalism school, which is unusual. It's usually right. through the English department. So we used to have these great summer seminars. They were symposiums. And I would go and I was so nervous and all this stuff. Anyway, I went to one and Nora Roberts was there and she was one of the best speakers I've ever heard and so much fun to listen to. And she was very, very nice. So very famous romance novelist, very famous. Cool. So yes, we are talking about African violets because National Garden Bureau has said African violets. It's the year of 2024. I wonder what section they're under. Are they under tropicals or are they under annuals? Houseplants. Or are they under perennials? Houseplants. Of course, houseplants. Duh. I got to answer all okay. the tough questions. So if you go to their website. Oh, please, please. <laughs> well, I was just saying. So what's interesting here is they were discovered in 1892 by a guy named Walter von St. Paul Hilaire, and that's where they get the name St. Paulia Ionantha, in Kenya mm -hmm. and Tanz Tanzania in Africa. Tanzania. Tanzania. I knew I'd said that wrong. <laughs> in the fall of 1892, which is when my grandmother was born in 1892, and now I'll always remember that that's when African violets were discovered because she always had a few African violets on her, this cabinet that was over by the so did mine window. because they were cool and trendy in their time period now they're stodgy but a lot of us love them well yeah you know a lot of breeding has been done and they talked about the 
German breeder, the Holtkamp family in Germany has been breeding them since 1935. And I'll tell you why. That's cool. They've taken a very simple plant and you can just look at all the different leaf types. Yeah, there's different leaf types now, different flower types, little roughly flowers. There's all kinds of stuff. They're cool. So I, I think that there are still African violet societies out there. I'm sure there are. It's still a very popular plant. And way we, we found way, way back where I wrote a blog post about them for Garden Bloggers Bloom Day. Because I've almost always got some. I don't have some right now. And in my case, here's what happens to mine. Even though I water them underneath the leaves, because you aren't supposed to get the leaves wet, and you're supposed to let them drain, and they actually have special pots for them that where you can fill up the bottom pot and let them wick away the moisture, but I haven't found those work very well. For me, just lifting the leaves and watering works pretty good. But over time, mine shrink. Yeah. They shrink down. And I think it's maybe because I don't feed them enough. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I enjoy them. And when they die, I let them go. D, I have a copy oh, my word. of 1001 African Violet Questions Answered by 12 Experts. I remember this book from another time when we talked. Yeah. So I could probably look up to say, why is my African why violet did- shrinking? You probably could. I mean, you know, for a $3.99 plant. But although some of the ones I've had are really fancy, I got to tell you though, but but I think I paid eight bucks for them. They're not, they're not expensive. So anyway, this book was discarded by the Milton Union Public Library in Milton, Ohio. They discarded (laughs) it. Can you believe that? They do that. And then people go in and buy them up at the book sales and sell them to you on eBay or on Amazon or on one of the other places, thrift book. And anyway, one of the experts is from my hometown. Isn't that why you bought it? I bought it because of my fascination with the African violet. Oh, okay. No, I oh, bought it. I probably bought it because, you know, I needed to buy it. It was just like a book that had to be rescued. Yes. I rescue old images of Jesus. Anyway. That's what I do. And the whole and the Blessed Mother. I do both. I rescue those, but I've kind of given that up because I have too many. It looks a little bit overdone here. Anyway, Betty Store, Greenwood, Indiana, specialist in home growing and exhibiting at the National Convention in 1957 for 33 entries, won 32 ribbons. You know what? She's impressive. I wish we had known her. Well, I, I had put a show note out there that said, ask me what, why fishing reminds me of African violets. I saw that. Why? Because my dad, we would beg, take us fishing, dad, take us fishing, dad. And he would take us out east of Greenwood, which is where she's from, to mm-hmm. some someplace owned by her, by a patient of his. And um, cool. who'd let us fish in their pond. We'd go by this house and there was a sign outside that said African violets for sale. It was her, wasn't it? I'm assuming so. But there is... I mean, who else could it be? The African Violet Society does exist. Of course it does. And, D, you have time to join and go to the National Convention in, <laughs> in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah, I've got time for that, Carol. You can Not. join the... They have their goal for entries for their awards show is 500 entries. 
And so you can, I don't know if you were in like Oklahoma or Indianapolis and you were trying to get your perfect African violet out to Tempe, Arizona unscathed, but I'm good. I'm good. Anyway, it's April 21st through the 28th. And we kind of make fun, but I'll tell you what. We should give all the credit to these people that love their African violets because it's thanks to them that there is so much variety and Mm -hmm. so many options out there and why it's possible to walk into Home Depot and buy a beautiful plant in bloom for $3.98. That's true because they help keep the genetics alive. And if there's no market for something, it goes away. And that's just the way it is. And I'll tell you what, I bet you some of the ones that are on the National Garden Bureau website are pretty pricey if you really got into it. Sure. There's some on here that's like, hmm, I bet some of the Geneva Edge, which has a wider silver trim on the petal edge. I mean, it's really kind of it's really kind of dangerous for you and I to spend too much time talking about African violets. That's why I'm not going over there. I'm not looking at that link because I let you look at it and I'm just commenting because I do not need any more houseplants. Did I tell you that I almost killed all of my pelargoniums last summer? No, you didn't tell me. Including my one that was a topiary. Of course I did. Yes, because I decided to cut them back at the wrong time of the year and it got too hot and then they all rotted. But I've got like five left. My greenhouse is rather empty this winter because of me. It happens. This would be the bad and the ugly because I do kill things sometimes. So African violets, despite their reputation, are actually quite easy to grow. So are pelargoniums. I but, know. You know. <laughs> anyway, I I kind of I have two African violets behind me that I already had. One of them was tiny because I mm-hmm. they do shrink on you. They um, do. But the one thing that I read when we did talked about African violets one other time was they kind of get leggy and they sort of curve out of their pot. And you're supposed to just repot them and just bury them back in and they'll be fine. Yeah, because I think they kind of heave themselves out the same way hookahs do outside. Well, I wouldn't call it heaving. It's just like that. It grows from that center point out. Well, heaving heaving is not a technical term, so I can say that if I want. You can say whatever you want, Dee. It's our podcast. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So anyway, it's kind of nice. You're the African violet and I am not... Opposed, and I'm actually in favor of if you see one that's pretty and it's like four bucks, get it. Enjoy it. If you see one that's pretty and it's 10 bucks, I mean, good grief. What else flowers in the winter? Mm-hmm. Not too many things. No, not too many things. And it reminds me, you know, reminds you of your grandparents and, you know, simpler times. It reminds me of my granny. Simpler she times. All the time. That's, you know, you can just sort of set up a little tea stand. With a doily on it and an African mm-hmm. violet and maybe a pretty little lamp and a cup of tea and a yeah, book. Yeah, you need a hanging basket, too, of something in the corner. A book. Perhaps Swedish ivy. Yeah, a book by D.E. Stevenson or somebody else that wrote it in the 30s, 40s. Maybe an Agatha Christie mystery. And you have recreated a little spot that's just like Grandma had. Well, now see, I'm all nostalgic. I wish I could talk to my granny because Granny Margaret had African violets and hers never shrunk. Well, I don't remember. In fact, she would get new ones. I mean, she would grow them so well that she made babies. with. Well, one last memory of African violets for me is 
years ago at the Indiana Flower and Patio Show, and I'm talking like the late 70s, early 80s. So when I say years ago, I mean years ago. The Mm -hmm. African Violet Society, the local one, they had a huge booth and they would sell African violets like nobody's business. And all the women were wearing smocks with like African violet flowers on them. And they were wearing. That's what the daylily people do too. Aprons and stuff. And they, you could use, they just had tons of African violets for sale. Now they are long gone from the flower and patio show. Well, members get old. And, and, you know, the only, I have one beef against African violets. What's that? Well, when I search for information on violets, I always have to weed out the African violet because I'm not looking for those. I'm looking for my violets. Right. So that's my only beef is they get in the way of my searches sometimes. Well, that's not much of a beef. No, it's not. All right. Do a quote and let's talk about vegetables. Occasionally, people have asked me, what have you done with your life? I made a garden. David Culp, he's the author of The Layered Garden. And actually, I pulled this from his other book, which was about his garden month by month. Nice, nice man. Liked him a lot. Very nice man. Yes, one of the kindest. He's gruff, but he's super kind. And his partner's really kind too, Michael. They're both nice people. Okay, so we're going to talk about something that is really going to get us in trouble. So we thought for our vegetable topic through, I don't know, until we run out of catalogs, we're going to do some seed catalog reviews. So this week, we are pulling up our two catalogs that we've gotten in the mail, Select Seeds and Johnny's Selected Seeds. We're going to talk about each catalog and then get ourselves in trouble. So first up, let's talk about select seeds. Okay. So we were, what we were going to say is what are they known for? Flowers. How is the cat? How, yeah. Flowers and unusual plants. How the catalog is organized. Alphabetically. Well, I'd say alphabetically by, is it by genus? Well, I don't know I don't if it's know alphabetical if or not. I just this one is an alphabetical. It is an alphabetical. Um, it starts out with native plants, and a lot of catalogs this year are because native plants are hot right now. Well, they have um, new plants, new favorites for 2024. I almost said twenty four. Yeah, and so maybe that's part of it. Guess what? I went right to what? the dang cinna geraniums, which are what I killed. So they have a lot of them. So I might have to replace some of mine. I'll pass on by the, that. You have had to remove so much from your life that I I give thee permission to buy as many scented geraniums as you would like because you're not allergic to them. Thank you. I'm not at all. Okay, so here's the deal. Select Seeds is known for unusual plants and unusual seeds, and they're really good at it. And what I like about them, I it's where I found Verbena banariensis bampton, which I saw in England. And first I bought the seeds from them. And when the seeds wouldn't germinate for me, because they've got very specialized conditions, then I went back and bought the plants and I bought three plants and they are pricey. I won't say that this is a, you know, cheap catalog. It is not at all a cheap catalog, but they pack those plants really, really well. So that's what I like about them. And they also pack their seeds really well. And I also like that they're a very personable group of people. They're very nice to deal with. Yes. And right now I turned to page 12, which has oregano, Barbara Tingy. And it's one of those fancy oreganos, flowering oreganos. Uh And this one's particularly pretty. And then they also have Bristol Cross. So they get a lot of seeds and a lot of plants that are 
out of England, which you can't find here very well. And since Chilton, is it Chilton? I think so. Chilton. That doesn't sound Chiltern. right. Chilterns. Since they quit shipping to the U.S., this is a good source for unusual things. Well, the other thing that I Some like about them England. is, for example, on page 11, they have the sweet violets, the viola odorata, which are almost extinct. And I have purchased some of these plants and I've killed them. They are, they are often out of stock, but next to each one, it tells you if it is an old heirloom, it'll say like circa 1900 for sweet violet queen Charlotte. Yeah. And, or circa 1865 for Parma violet, Mary Louise, Carol, don't order those. Don't order those. Don't order those. The same thing with the geraniums, which are pelargoniums. You know what? I'm going to um, order those. Listed. I knew you were listed in 1871 American Garden Catalog. So they have a lot of really cool, unusual things. And I love, I love them. I will say this. Okay. On page 17, Tobacco Cranberry Isles, which is a Nicotiana or Nicotiana, depending upon how you pronounce it. Uh huh. Cranberry Isles is ugly. So don't buy it. I'm just letting you know now. Wait, it's ugly. I grew it last year. It's one of the ugliest Nicotianas I ever grew. Aren't we? It was brown. It wasn't cranberry. It was brown. Aren't we better off to get a white one? Imagine that me being opinionated. They've got the African foxgloves, which are very hard to find. Now we're getting more. Now we're more. After we got through those new plants, it looks like we're according to. What's the word? They've got a ton of zinnias, D. ABCs. But you have a ton of zinnia seeds, so you're not buying any more, right? But they've got some nice ones. But they have celosias, and they have some of the weird celosias and the weird amaranths, which are now in the same family. That zinnia Um, queenie lemon peach, that might be on my... I've grown that that one. I might buy that one. Um, I'll tell you a really good plant in here to grow. This isn't really vegetables, but we'll get into those in our next catalog. Cosmos apricata. Cosmos apricata I grew last year along with apricot lemonade. Uh huh. I loved both of them. They were both fabulous. Well, I'm I'm on the too. verbena page, and they have the verbena bonariensis vanity, which is a tender perennial. It says. Oh yeah. So I did get a more. I think. National Garden Bureau. I think they sent me some more seeds, which is good because I really liked having that out by my mailbox and I left it there wondering if it would overwinter and it's been so mild that there's a chance, but you know, maybe not. I doubt it. I doubt it, but maybe it receded. Okay. So that brings me to something that Beth Teal, who's one of our listeners out of Tulsa, texted me or messaged me on Instagram. And I want to say to Beth, because she listens every week. They have your verbenas in here. So she wanted us to talk a little bit about verbena bonariensis, and I said we would. But quickly, while you're buying seeds or plants, Beth, they have verbena vanity, which is the short one. Isn't it short? Or no, vanity's not short. It was not short. Um, it was almost three foot tall. That's two and a half feet. So what's the dwarf vanity? Is it lollipop? Lollipop is one to two feet. Yeah, so it's shorter. So here's Verbena lollipop and then beautiful Verbena bampton, which was the plant that everyone in on my garden tour took my labels, not everyone, some people took my labels out of that pot and set them on the table because they didn't know what it was. Oh. So I always put my labels in the back. They also have 
Vanity, which is an AAS winner, and I love Vanity. So. You know what? They've got another trigger word next to that Verbena Bampton trigger word. Yeah. Trigger word. What is it? I can't what say that it? very well. Trigger word. There you go. Rare. Yeah. Verbena Bampton is really beautiful, short, and it's rare. It is rare. I wrote a and chapter it. in one of my books, and I can't even remember which one. I wrote a thing about rare and cultivation. And the quickest way to get somebody to buy a plant, uh, somebody like us, is to say rare and cultivation. And so now I'm sitting here yeah. thinking, well, I will be placing an order for rare and cultivation Bampton because I'm wondering mm-hmm. if I can winter sow those seeds and get a nice bunch of them. I think, well, you can try. I tried. I wasn't able to get them because they have to have pure darkness. They have some requirements. That oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. Yes, among other things. Where are those zinnias, Carol? What zinnias? They're, they're, they were right there. I didn't see them. Oh, there's tons of them. There's like three pages. I've grown, I've grown lemon peach, queenie lemon peach. They start on page 47. Oh, see, I'm in the wrong section. I'm over and they go all the way to page 51. Oh, they do. Good Lord. Okay, so of these, which ones have I grown? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've grown a bunch of these. Giant, Benary's Giant. But coral. I'm going to tell you, D. There's giant wine. My recollection yes. from talking to you and not seeing your seeds. I have a lot ash, of zinnias. You have, I have a lot of zinnias. I have a lot of zinnias. I you don't do. need any more zinnia seeds, except if you see one. Okay, you but like. look at this one. Look at this one. Zinnia raspberry lemonade. That is not one I have. I think I need that one. Let I me do. look. It's on page 49. Just saying. Uh, anyway, we need to shut this catalog and move along. Raspberry limeade? Yes, look at that in the K. Okay. It's greens with pinks. Uh, Ooh. All right, that Ooh. catalog is shut because that's going to be gone. So we got to move on to veggies and Johnny's selected seeds. What do you like about Johnny's? And then I'll tell you what I like about them. What I like about Johnny's is if if I was a truck farmer, you can buy right? huge quantities of seeds. You sure can. And they they started out, I think, with market grow to oh, whatever market farmers, you know, the people who take stuff to farmers markets. Yes. And they carry a lot of unusual, really cool plants, seeds. They do seeds. Anyway, so many seeds. And it's it's a little bit like going and looking at Baker Creek, except for it's uh, nobody take this the wrong way because I love Baker Creek. But this one's really professional. And not that Baker Creek isn't, but it's a little different. It's more homespun. Yeah. This is more. The way they write about the different vegetables and stuff. There's not as much. It's um, not romantic. It's just your basics. But I'll tell you what. Dang, D, they got so many microgreen varieties. I got so many microgreen seeds. But I might have to get some more. So here's the other thing I really like about them. Their germination rate is really good. Yes, um, that's no important. matter what you do, and they sell some pelleted seeds and some non-pelleted seeds. They sell organic seeds, not just regular seeds. They sell it all. And if you want a particular variety of corn, like glass gem, they'll tell you who the breeder was or the selector. They tell you which cucumbers are better for pickling, which ones have the highest harvest. Which ones are quick harvest in case you're trying to get a quick one in? The only negative I have about them is that they're not from my part of the world. So 
they think that you can grow lettuce all year long, which makes me laugh hysterically. Yeah. You can't even grow lettuce all year long here. No. So I get a kick out of that, but here's the thing. They talk about hydroponics in here. There's so much information. So if you, it's not only a catalog, it's a information storehouse. And if you like some of Florette's flowers, like her zinnias, for example, not the ones that she's breeding that she is having herself, but the ones that she started out with, or you want some specialty cosmos that she has, Johnny's will sell you a packet at the same price and you'll get a lot more seeds. That's nothing negative about Florette. So don't come get me. I'm just saying that this is a a less expensive way to get some of the same stuff. And amaranth the same way if you're growing bouquets for your wedding, for example. And like I, one of our ones. I will say this in general about many of the seed catalogs we get. Just reading through them is an education all of its own. I'm always I always feel educated by Johnny's. Johnny's does have Cheyenne Spirit, Echinacea, and you can get 25 seeds for 1095. Cheyenne Spirit's one of my favorites. I also like Paradiso Tall, which they also have. So does Select Seeds, I noticed when I was in there too. So they have more Gomfrina than anybody else. Another thing I noted was that they have separated out some of the QIS series of Gomfrinas into individual colors. And you maybe don't want the whole, you know, like the same thing with Oklahoma Zinnias. They were the first company that I noticed that sold separate colors of those in case you don't want the school bus yellow, for example. So what you have straw flowers, sunflowers, they sell all the pro cut mix, which if you're a pollinator nut, you don't want the pro cut mix because it doesn't have any pollen. But if you're someone who's trying to arrange flowers, you do want the pro cut mix. So I do remember back in the late 90s when I was at my other house, actually, there was one summer I grew every kind of dried flower I could find, status, gomfrina, straw flowers. And I actually did a little program for my mom's sorority, and they loved it. And that was before I even thought about doing that kind of thing. And I remember this church called and said, would you do that at the ladies retreat? And I'm like, when is it? And she said, January 21st. I said, no, that's my birthday. I'm not doing that. Did you know that all the dried flowers are back in style again? Yes, because I'm looking at page 163 in Johnny's, and those statuses are so beautiful. That pastel mix is calling my name. And they sell the they sell the ones that florists want because, again, there are market gardeners and florists are at markets now and flower farmers. So you'll get the statuses with the really long stems. Same thing with their snapdragons. Not that snapdragons are easy to grow. Oh here. my God. They're the not. snapdragons on the next, the page before that 162. I'm trying not to look at them. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. But anyway, they, <laughs> they sell some really great stuff. So I buy a lot of stuff from Johnny's. I haven't placed my Johnny's order yet. I wonder if they have shishito peppers. I think I will look. Is there anything else you want to say about? I was just going to look to see Johnny's. if they had shishito peppers for you, Dee. Uh, Peppers and see, they're all. That's the thing about the peppers, Bell, which is Shishito. Yes, they do. They have organic. Okay, well, I need to peppers. order them before I have the problem I had last year. You can get a because here's what happened for six ninety five. Oh yeah. yeah, you can get a packet, which their prices have gone up a little bit, but not bad. You can get a packet for six ninety five, two hundred and fifty seeds for ten ninety, 
Or if you're a market grower who only wants to grow shishitos, you can get a thousand seeds for thirty six oh five. You only need a packet so, D because really, uh, what would I do with a thousand pepper seeds? That would be nuts. Yeah, I do need a packet because remember last year. I ran into trouble and I had to buy shishitos and I actually bought one that was made by, it was a, they were actually at Home Depot. The plants were, I paid way too much for the plants and they were one of, I think they were one of Burpee's selections called Green Dragon. They were hot. I don't want my shishitos to be that hot. Well, they have shishitos. So anyway, select okay. seeds, Johnny selected seeds. So next week we'll have two other seed catalogs that we'll talk about. And we're, you know, this is probably going to sound to people like two nutty gardeners that are just sitting there drinking tea Boy, and never. looking at catalogs saying, look at this, look at that, look at this, look at that. And that's that exactly right. what it was. Yeah, it is. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. By the way, on the next page, they have all the other fun peppers that are, so they have specialty peppers. That's another cool thing. And we have grown Mad Hatter. Oh, yeah. And it is the cutest, it best little cute. pepper. Nash, and you can eat it in each stage. It's an all-America selection that they've sent us the it seeds is. for it before, yes. Yes, and they have padrone. And they have a hot shishito pepper called shishima, shishimai. So that's interesting, too. So I will be looking at this even more when I'm not on, when we're not recording, but boy, that was fun. That was fun. Let me do a quote and we'll go into our book. Happiness grows at our own firesides and is not to be picked in strangers' gardens. And that is Douglas William Gerald, born January 3rd, 1803, died June 8th, 1857. He was an English dramatist and writer. And supposedly Charles Dickens himself was one of the pallbearers at his funeral. I agree with Douglas William Gerald that we do need to pick in our own garden. Exactly. On our bookshelf this week is a friend of ours. And she is a friend. People ask me, when you guys say that, are they really your friends? Yes, I consider Perla, Sophia, <laughs> Curbelo, Santiago a good friend from GardenCom. And she has written Verdura, Living a Garden Life, 30 Projects to Nurture Your Passion for Plants and Find Your Bliss. I like that last part. Find your bliss. Yes, I know Perla. She and I served on the virtual conference committee for several years. Yes. No matter when you talk to Perla, it's like, hola, she's so happy. She is happy. And her and book. And she's from Puerto Rico. Yes. This is the first time that Cool Springs has put out a book simultaneously in English and Spanish. Which makes sense because she does her Instagram videos in both English and Spanish. Sometimes they're in Spanish and sometimes they're in English. And I just, I just think she's a lovely, lovely person and very upbeat. Yeah. And I remember talking to her when she was working on this book and these projects, she did all these projects and she... Yep. Took all the pictures and everything. And so you'll see her in a lot of the pictures and stuff, but they're just fun little projects that you could, anybody could do. And she's not using a bunch of expensive stuff. She's recycling and repurposing, which is wonderful. They look real. They yes. don't look. So there's this real big thing on Instagram right now where the people that are overly curated, people are kind of tired of it. Audiences are tired of it. They want to see real people in real gardens doing real things. And one of the coolest things she made was a little library garden 
So she made one of those little libraries and it's all garden, all garden books, which is a great idea. That is a great idea. So, and Perla is the real deal. She has a horticultural therapy certificate from the Chicago Botanic Garden. And I, I remember when she got that or was doing that. I did too. She's been honored by the American Horticultural Society with the B.Y. Morrison Communication Award. I mean, she just is so enthusiastic about gardening and communicating about gardening and can't say enough nice things about Perla and also her lovely book. So I'm on page 72, 73, and she created a barefoot garden. And this barefoot garden is is different from what people usually talk about where people talk about grounding and all that kind of stuff. Her, she didn't have a space where she could create a time lawn, creeping time lawn. So she put it in a great big pot, a really attractive pot that's dark gray. And then she put dark, a dark gray stepping stone in it. And she goes and puts her feet on it so that she can, you know, sit there and relax. And the scent comes up. I think that's a really ingenious way to do that so if you had like a patio Uh uh-huh you know and you didn't have somewhere where you could didn't have grass which most people in Oklahoma have grass unless you live in an apartment but say you live in an apartment and you have a balcony this would be perfect for you yes yeah that's the other thing is many of these things if you had just a little condo garden or apartment or whatever you could do many of these things with you don't need a big garden space she created a a sofrito garden in a pot too because Sofrito is, it's a culinary base is how she describes it. And I actually use it in beans all the time. And you make it yourself. So she grew the peppers herself and her, looks like cilantro, achiote, tomatoes. It's kind of like pico de gallo, but a different, a little different. Cool. It is cool. It is. It's I a, love it. It is a lovely book. And that is. Vadura, Living a Garden Life, 30 Projects to Nurture Your Passion for Plants and Find Your Bliss by our friend Perla Sofia Curbelo Santiago, whose company is called agrochic.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's just a great person. And it is a lovely book. And we are proud to be able to tell our listeners about it. Yeah. When Cool Springs contacted us, we were like, oh, yeah, we would love to. Yeah, we know Perla. Perla. We love Perla. Yeah. Send us Perla's book. It's beautiful. And congratulations to Perla. I know. Yeah. She's worked hard on it. The first time I met Perla was when we went to the Buffalo Garden Com Conference in 2017, I'm going to say. It was a long time ago. They had writing class the day before that I signed up for, and Perla was in the class. I think that was the first time she came to Garden Com, and uh, she was just a delight in the class, and we got to know her more. And so she she comes to every conference. She's a just a lovely person. Would you like me to do the next quote? Yes, please. Hope begins in the dark. The stubborn hope that if you just show up and try to do the right thing, the dawn will come. You wait and watch and work. You don't give up. Anne Lamont. Anne Lamont is a writer and she writes about all kinds of topics. I first read her because at the time I was a legal assistant. I was pregnant with Brennan. My He just turned 28 two days ago. And my boss, Kenny Merritt, who's a woman, she sent, she gave me her book on being pregnant. And it made me laugh so hard that I've loved her ever since. I read all of her books. 
She's really famous for one called Traveling Mercies. And she's just, she's a very interesting writer. And I thought that that quote really, really resonated because it is dark right now. I thought her most famous book was Bird by Bird. It is her most famous work. And she gave me that book too, because I was a writer and she was a writer too. So, so shout out to Kenny, who still sends me Christmas cards. Very nice. So our dirt is that January the 10th, Wednesday, when this podcast comes out, National House Plant Appreciation Day. Time to celebrate houseplants as if we needed a reason, right? Exactly. Thank God for houseplants. What, what, what are you they just about, what am I going to do to celebrate? Hey, maybe I'll do, if my amaryllis are still looking good, maybe I'll do a video. That would be fun. That would be fun. Or maybe I will go out and buy another African violet. You might do that. Yeah. Oh my true. gosh. There's a, there's a garden center. I don't know how many, it's like five miles from here. It's north. And then there's another one that's about 10 miles south. And I, I feel the need in January always to make a little trek over there to see if there's any plant that I need to buy. Oh, that happens to me all the time. I go to TLC and do the same thing. I just go and walk around their greenhouse just to give me, you know, I just to be around some more plants because, yeah, they have a beautiful greenhouse. And they have a lot of plants right now and they have a lot of succulents. They so. do. They all do. Okay. Are you ready to do the next quote? I am. An unhurried sense of time is in itself a form of wealth. And that's by Bonnie Friedman, author of Writing Past Dark, who also teaches writing at the University of North Texas. An wow, unhurried sense of time. Okay, you do your rabbit hole first because I've talked a lot and mine's long. So my rabbit hole, so I went down the rabbit hole of Josephine Noose again, and she wrote a book called The Country Garden. But she is always quoted this time of year without attribution about, you know, people think that, Jan, you know, people think that gardening starts in the spring, but it starts in January with the dream. With the dream. And so I wrote a Substack article about her and stuck that out there. And then, honest to God, I really am doing it, D. So the, all those books I collected last year that are month by month. Yes. Every day I've picked up a new one. And so Monday, let me let me go down through this. Monday it was Jean Hersey, the, yes. the shape of a year. No, I'm sorry. Monday was Josephine Noose, the country garden. I love that book, by the way. I've read it. Tuesday was Miss Reed's, I don't know, The Village Green or something. Read it. Great book. And it's I read her January. And then I read Jean Hersey's The Shape of Year, her January. And then I read Cassandra Dance, Mrs. Greenthumb, her January. And then okay. today, one of the books that Timber Press sent us to look at is called What We Sow by Jennifer Jewell. Yes. And yes. I realized when looking at this book that it is also month by month. And oh, it, that's a good way to read it because it is dense. It that is, is a dense. big, complicated book. So anyway, I thought it actually starts, I think it starts in, let me look. To make sure I'm factual here. Does it start in the fall? A lot of these books do. It starts in October, but I thought, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to skip my way all the way to January. And so I started reading it this morning and kind of ran out of time because we had to start the podcast. But the January chapter is called Seed Life Linking Us. And she, it's sort of like she has a diary. And then intermixed between it is information that just like you said just tons of information about seeds and because jennifer is a great researcher 
Yeah, all kinds of research about seeds. But anyway, it kind of flips between diary and then research, diary, then research. And I thought, you know what? This is going on that pile. And so one day a month, I will pull this out and read that month. I will read it with you. Okay. That way. Will you? Because otherwise I can't read it. It is, it is, she's a good researcher. And I think this will be really great. And she starts with the new moon and the when the full moon is, which exactly. I love too. And so anyway, that's and where I, do you do you notice the moon a lot living in the city? Because I out here it's huge. Well, the answer is yes, because on my watch it always tells me what the phase of the moon is. Okay. And I was also gonna say about Jennifer. Well, out here the moon is just huge and it's overwhelming sometimes because sometimes it's full and it's right outside my bedroom window at nighttime. Okay. So Jennifer Jewell, I also want to note that she is the creator and host of a a national public radio program and a it's a podcast too, because it's done in both places. Right. And it's called cultivating place conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. So it's shortened to cultivating place. And she also wrote the book about women which right now I need to look up because yes, here it is. The earth in her hands, 75 extraordinary women working in the world of plants, which came out in 2020 and was really, really good. It was really, really so good. So she's, I love that book. So I really wanted to read this book and I, that's how we're going to read it this year. And the book is what we sow on the personal ecological and cultural significance of seeds by Jennifer Jewell. So yes. That's so anyway, I, I think that I have enough month-by-month month books that I can start a new one every day in January, and then I'll just carry them over to February. But it's worked out so far, and kind of takes you, you know, most of the writers so far have been in the New England area. So Jennifer's on the West Coast, which is a nice change. She's in California. And the Miss Reed great. one, is it's fiction, but it takes place in England. A lovely... Right, in an official, fictional town in England, exactly. which is fun. Your rabbit hole. Okay, so my rabbit hole, I want to say also, I'm getting a lot of questions on Instagram because I haven't been posting much. For one thing, it's winter. I just don't have much to say, although I may walk out my garden today and show it to you guys. A lot of people are worried about me. They want to know if I'm okay. Yes, I'm okay. I'm still having some reactions. And so I'll know more, hopefully, at the end of the month. When I go to see an allergist in Tulsa who knows about alpha-gal syndrome and what they call mast cell syndrome, which I hope I don't have. But in the process of all of this, one of the best ways to not get a reaction is to eat mostly vegan. And so since I've been doing a lot of searches on that, all of a sudden Netflix offered up the algorithm, offered up a show, which was a documentary called You Are What You Eat. And what it, the documentarians followed six of the twins in this famous, I think it was done by Stanford University twin study, as one twin ate vegan and the other twin ate a well-balanced omnivore diet for at least eight weeks. And then some of them decided to keep doing what they were doing because their health got better, right? Yeah. So here are my takeaways about this little deal because it was quite the rabbit hole. Some of the documentary was really heavy handed, I felt like. And so I, you know, I just say that with some caution. However, I really enjoyed seeing the results of the study that at least for these six participants and also their struggles to eat healthier. That's not easy to do 
One of them was a chef. The two segments I really loved in the show were Miyoko's, her name is Miyoko, Miyoko's dairy-free cheese maker. She's a dairy, Miyoko is a dairy-free cheese maker. She makes some of the best dairy-free cheese in the entire United States. And she's worked on it for years and years and it's finally taken off. She is a lovely person. They interviewed her and she's just lovely. She just wanted it to be better for people and to be a better experience. So that was really enjoyable. And then they also went to the, and I didn't write it down. It's the most famous, maybe Carol can look it up while I'm thinking about it. It it won three Michelin stars. It's a very famous restaurant in Manhattan that went vegan. And it went vegan after it won its Michelin stars. And boy, did it take a lot of heat. And now I want to eat there. It's like my dream to eat at this restaurant because I could eat there safely and not have any risk of cross-contamination. And they interviewed the chef and they also also showed some of their processes. And it was just, that segment was so much fun to watch. Was it avant-garde? No, they just got one star. I'll, I'll look it up and we'll put it in the newsletter. And I can't remember the name of it. I'm sorry. I should have written it down. The segment that 11 got me Madison the most, Park. That's it. 11 Madison Park. Thank you. And that they just, I mean, the New York Times tried to take them out. Bon Appetit did. I mean, everybody was very upset with them for doing this, but they're still doing extremely well because they applied the same methodology that one of the three stars to be to create vegan food. So it's it's a dream to eat there. Actually, this regenerative farmer, he's a cattle farmer. He went there to eat because he thought he was going to go and eat their regular menu. Right. And they had just switched over, but he and his wife decided to try it anywhere. And he said, I'm now a cattle farmer who is dreaming of asparagus. I thought that was a great line. That's a great line. And he was just a lovely person too. The segment on fish farming. Oh my gosh. Skip. I had to leave. Skip. Skip. I couldn't even skip it. I mean, I had to physically leave the room because it made me so sick. Do not eat farmed fish. That's the takeaway. You can skip that segment because you do not need to see that nastiness. It's pure poison. I actually buy my fish from Wild Alaskan Seafood. That is not a promo for them. That's just where I buy it. It's not cheap, but it's family owned and it's operated and it's wild caught. Okay, so then in the process, the more... I eat vegan, the less I react. So I eat fish. I'm more of a pescatarian, but I also eat some turkey. I decided to read and cook out of Vegan at Times by Jessica Seinfeld. Only yesterday did I realize she's Jerry Seinfeld's wife because she doesn't make a big deal about it in the book at all. Her recipes are extremely approachable. I made her chickpea curry yesterday. It was fabulous. And Bill loved it. So there you go. Bill put some cheese on it. And I said, are you sure you don't want some meat? And he goes, no, this is great. Because it had a lot of flavor. Cool. They had chickpeas. Cool. So very good food. And that's my rabbit hole as I'm still trying to figure things out. But since I love vegetables and I, I love beans, it's, you know, I did have to giggle though, because I put some bean, I cooked some beans vegan. And which means you put a lot of vegetables in them to make them taste good. And a little bit of olive oil or avocado oil. And a lady said, those are really good with pork. She she messaged me <laughs> and I got the giggles and I said, well, yes, they are. Yes, they are. A lot of people use smoked turkey, legs and wings, but I haven't found any. So, you know, and I don't care. I'm using the beans and other things, so it doesn't really matter. And with cornbread, 
Who cares? Exactly. And Miyoko's butter. She also makes butter. And it's the, in my opinion, her oat milk butter, I know that sounds weird, but is the best stuff ever. It's almost as good as real butter. Almost. All right. Well, let's do our garden commissions. So I'll go first. Go ahead. I'm going to get over my cold, organize my seeds, go to Menards, buy a bunch of seeds. Obviously, I'm going to order some seeds. And I had this big idea to grow seeds like it's 1970 and only grow varieties that were around in 1970. That's gone out the window, obviously. Yeah, because you got all those All-American selections and some of them are modern. And you said, I like these plants. I'm going to grow them. But I like the idea. I mean, I loved your lettuce, growing your lettuce like it was what, 19? Yeah, I I still am going, going to grow those varieties because they were quite delicious. There you go. So we might get some snow tonight. We're recording this on Friday the 5th. Might get our first real snowfall tonight. I hope we do because, like I, I think I said at the beginning, we haven't had snow. This is the longest we've gone without real snow in the last 127 years. How about your garden? It's been a very warm winter all over the United States, except for in one little pocket. And we were supposed to maybe get snow, but we ended up getting rain instead where I live, which is kind of north central. Above me, though, north of me, they got a lot of snow. And then into Kansas, and now it's going to Missouri, and that's that's the one that's coming to you. I bet. I bet. That storm. Well, the other thing is, I have a nephew that he lives. He's attending graduate school at the University of Minnesota, Minnesota in Minneapolis, and he was home for Christmas, and he said they had canceled their winter festival because they didn't have any snow, and we all laughed, and you know, that, yeah. But anyway, that's weird. Well, they can't skate on some of the lakes over in the Netherlands or wherever it is because there's not enough snow. At least for several years, it was that way. Okay, am, are you done? Well, two other I things. I did you? not I did not dig up any lily of the valley. I might after we get a snowfall on them. And I realized that I have hyacinth bulbs in the refrigerator, and so it's time for them to come out and get put on their bases. So I'm going to cut back the hellebores and uncover my daffodils. I mean, I've been doing that anyway. And I realized that up in the, up, okay, so on the mound that's in between my driveways on the front of my house, I had planted all those white daffodils last year. Yeah. A lot of them burned up because they're not coming back. And that's the sad news. The happy news is the Japanese carrier, which they call the Japanese rose, the double yeah. flowering carrier, it burned all the way to the ground, but now all green stems have come up. So it's okay. And maybe this year, my yellow flowering, I almost said dogwood, but it's not a dogwood. It's the other plant. Horsithia? No, deciduous magnolia. I have three of them that I paid tremendous money for years ago, and they have never bloomed, although they've grown like champs for years, right? I think they were getting too much shade. The fire burned a lot of that shade down. So we're going to see if maybe I get some blooms this year. I've been checking their little stems to look, and I can't tell if those are blooms or if they're little leaves. We'll see. I have and a then, question so for un- you, though. You what? you have in your notes that you're uncovering your daffodils. I, I don't know what you're talking about, D. Uncovering. Oh, from like debris, you know, like... oh. Like some of, so even though my lawn person came in and blew away a bunch of my leaves, there's now more leaves falling because I have post oaks and they start to fall later. Okay. So there's that. All right. And then also I like to cut back around the daffodils 
you know, my perennials so I can see the daffodils. And then I lay the sticks around them. Okay. You know, does that make sense? It does. It does. So we are supposed to get some bad weather this next week, but we'll see. All right. Well, I have a feeling this is going to set a new record for how long an episode this is. Oh my gosh. We talked forever. Sorry, guys. Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. I hope you've hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, we love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. And be sure and check out your our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And subscribe to our Substack newsletter, The Garden Angelus at Substack.com. Also linked to in our show notes. If you do, you'll get a link to listen to the podcast a whole day early. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we're in a small commission and it costs you nothing. Or you can set up a monthly subscription through Buzzsprout or make a one-time donation through PayPal. Thank you to those who have done so. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.